fashion. This is all in for the love of the game. This is Love Set Match. Andre Agassi had this goal, you don't have to be better than everyone else in the draw when you go out on the court. Like, you have to be better than someone that's across the net. I think you got to stay active in a sport sense, you know, go out there, do some sports. I think it always makes you feel better, maybe you're more tired in the very moment, but actually the rest of the day feels better. And then I think giving back as well, you know, making other people happy is going to give you a good feeling too. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Tennis Pal Chronicles, the podcast to feed your passion for all things tennis. I'm your host, Philip Kim, also known as the Tennis Pro at the Langham Huntington Hotel, and I'm so excited that next week I'll be able to start teaching again at the hotel after a year of closure. So good things ahead. As you know, Tennis Pal Chronicles is sponsored by Tennis Pal, which is a great app you can download for Android or iPhone and find people to play with. So visit TennisPal.com for more information. Well, this episode is so special, I can't wait to share it with you. As it's May, we're celebrating Asian American Heritage Month and interviewing some of the most important people who have made an impact in the tennis world. The USTA Committee for Diversity and Inclusion has invited me to be the chairperson for the Asian American Subcommittee with the focus of raising awareness for Asian Americans in tennis. I'm working with a great volunteer team of friends and want to give a shout out to Mike Mora, Ben Yu, George Chung, Beverly Martin, and UJ Neary for all who have contributed their thoughts and time to this initiative. In this episode, we get the privilege of hearing from two-time Grand Slam champion, Vanya King. Vanya's been a fixture on the WTA Tour for the last 15 years. King has won 16 WTA titles in her career, one in singles at the 2006 Bangkok Tournament, and 15 in doubles, including two Grand Slams Women's Doubles Championships, at Wimbledon and U.S. Open, both in 2010, with partner Yaroslava Shvedova. The 31-year-old Californian also reached the women's double semifinals at the 2011 French Open and the quarterfinals at the Australian Open in 2012 and 2016. And she teamed up with Marcelo Mello to reach the French Open mixed doubles final in 2009. In singles play, King has reached an impressive third round of every Grand Slam except Wimbledon, where she advanced to the second round twice. She reached a career-high singles ranking of number 50 in November 2006, just four months after turning pro, and she reached a ranking as high as number three in the world in doubles in June 2011. Vanya King represented the U.S. in eight Fed Cup ties, between 2006 and 2011. Vanya and I talked for over an hour and a half, and honestly, I wish it was longer. Her openness and insights were really inspiring, so I hope you love the conversation as much as I do. This is part one of the conversation. Let's welcome champion Vanya King to the Tennis Pal Chronicles podcast. First, I have to say, Vanya King, what an amazing honor to meet with you and get to talk to you about 
first Asian American Heritage Month and then really just your storied career. I mean, this is just amazing that you have gone so far in tennis and that's the dream for all of us who are playing. And then I think especially for, you know, the Asian American community, it's just such a exciting moment in history when you've won your first Grand Slam, right? Yeah, well, thanks so much. Um, you know, I think that when we're in it, we don't really, we don't have the chance to, um, to really appreciate everything that we've done because, you know, it's always, there's another week, another tournament, another match, there's always something else to do. Uh, so I've recently retired. I retired actually last month. So now I finally have time to be able to kind of detox, um, not have the stress of tennis and all of the scheduling that I have to do and the day-to-day -day planning. And, um, and I guess, you know, it still hasn't really sunk in yet, but I think now I'll be able to look back and really appreciate uh, all the, all the great memories that I've had, all the accomplishments, but, you know, the accomplishments wouldn't have happened unless I had, you know, great, a great team and all the work that I've put in with my team. Um, and so, you know, I think now is the time that I can really sit back and kind of reminisce about that. Yeah. Well, could you please reminisce with us? Because you're one of the very few people in the world that has won Wimbledon, which I think is the crowning achievement, right? And so to have been able to do that in doubles and on serve, you were serving for the match, which is amazing, <laughs> right? Yeah. And uh, yeah. and I know that's something that you really worked on your serve your whole career. And just to have that moment, can you take us back to that moment? What did it feel like for you to win? I mean, this is Wimbledon. This is, you know, epic tennis history. And for for a girl born in Monterey Park, uh, raised in Long Beach to to go all the way to Wimbledon. And, and that's the dream, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, gosh, well, I could start with when I was born, but I'll, I'll <laughs> we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Um, you know, <laughs> so yeah, Wimbledon was, it was a, a crazy ride. Uh, my partner and I, my partner Slava and I had only played together for two weeks prior to Wimbledon, which is um, generally a very short amount of time to have played together. You know, typically teams take a little bit more time to get to know each other, get their games meshing, to really work together. Um, so, you know, we, we played two kind of smaller WTA events before Wimbledon. We made the semis of the first one, the finals of the second one, but lost handily, by the way, you know, in, in the matches that we lost. So, um, we had joked, okay, we made the semis, the finals, and now the next one, you know, if we follow this pattern, we should win the next one. <laughs> Just moving on up. Laughed. Ha ha. You know, that's, it, it was a nice, a nice joke. Um, we didn't obviously have that expectation given, yeah, given the circumstances, my partner actually had her racket stolen the week before oh, her, wow. her back. Yeah. Her whole tennis bag was stolen in a train station. So she went to a local shop and bought two generic rackets. So she was using generic rackets, which, you know, a lot of us have uh, customized rackets. So the weight and balance is not the same as, you know, a, a factory racket, um, you know, walking in with, just a, a purse and two rackets. And I was actually very sick. So I had um, sinusitis. I had been sick quite a few times that year. I was on my fourth course of antibiotics for that year. So, uh, you know, really just all these circumstances 
not playing much together, um, you know, not having her rackets, me being ill. Um, and then just generally, you know, with the results that we had in our pocket, not really thinking that we were going to go that far. Um, we thought, okay, maybe we can get, you know, a couple matches under our belt. You know, the first few rounds were, were doable. Um, so we, and actually our, I, th I think our second round, we played a three hour match against Shahar Pear and Monica Nikulescu. It was incredibly tough. I think we were down a break in both the sets that we won. And so we're like, hmm, man, this is really tough. Uh, so then in our third round, we played against Samantha Stozer and uh, Nadia Petrova. And I had never beaten Nadia ever, singles or doubles. Um, she was just an incredibly talented player, super strong. Um, she had an incredible backhand, which I struggled with just the way that our games matched up because I had a better forehand and I liked to use my forehand, but she was always able to find my backhand. And so um, that was the match, I have to say, that we were like, eh, you know, we didn't think highly of our chances. Um, but, you know, even if we don't think highly of our chances, we still go out there and we still play to win. You know, we still think there there is, as long as there is a chance, you know, you go out there and you try your best and anything can happen. So I remember in the warm-up, um, Nadia was already really upset for some reason, like really stressed out. And she threw her racket in the warm-up of our match. Oh, wow. And that's never happened to me before that someone got so upset in a warm-up, the five-minute warm-up and threw her racket. So I was like, oh my gosh, we might have, more of a chance, you know, more than just <laughs> like 20%. Reading the signs. Uh, wow. Yeah. And, uh, and then, you know, if, if one partner obviously is very angry, it's hard for the other partner to connect. You know, to relax to click, and sure. them, yeah, exactly. To connect. So we ended up winning that match. Um, then I think we were in the quarters and that, that must have given you a lot of personal confidence because that was the first time you had done something you had never done. Um, yeah, I mean, yes and no. I, um, as I said, we were, we were still quite in the moment. And um, even though our expectations weren't that, oh my gosh, we're going to win, but we still believed we could win. Um, but yeah, definitely every match that we played, because we had only played twice together before, every match that we played really helped us in terms of our team cohesion, you know, getting to know each other better, having more confidence in each other was really important. Mm. Um, and we were incredibly relaxed, which also helped, you know, Slava and I were, um, you know, on and off the court, you know, spending time together, having a drink afterwards. Um, <laughs> it was the World Cup, so we would go to the pub and watch the <laughs> and have a beer and, you know, kind of relax, which I think, you know, within reason, which helped us because um, on the court, we stayed relaxed. We both are players that I think put too much pressure on ourselves. So it helped us to be more relaxed than not because um, we we play better when we are able to be relaxed. Otherwise our typical kind of mode is to stress out and get too tense and too tight and overthink. So um, in that regard, it helped us. And then in the quarters, we played uh, the number one team in the world, which was Peshke and Srebotnik. So, yes, we had a little bit more confidence winning the previous match, but then now, okay, we're facing the number, the number one team one. in the world. Yeah, wow. yeah and, um, and to win that match, 
actually the, and the other side of the draw was um and i i don't know if they lost in the quarters or semis was the williams sisters so keeping in mind as well the williams sisters are <laughs> in the draw and we're like eh, if we played them mm, you know none. <laughs> i had actually played against the williams sisters the previous year at wimbledon with my partner on elena gronefeld and we lost in the quarters um and and i feel like a lot of that was mental you know we went into it thinking there wasn't that much of a shot and um you know I, and that and that really made a difference i think you know it, it it lowered our chances of winning going in there thinking that we didn't have as much of a shot so anyways we're playing the number one seeds uh we get down a set and a break i think we're down you know four four two or five two in the second set and um both of us just said okay you know what we're just gonna go for it because i mean we're losing anyways and as it's going, if we're playing the same way, we're going to lose. So I remember both of us just hitting as hard as we could, being as aggressive as possible. I remember for my return, and my return is probably when I was on the best part of my game. Yeah, definitely um, strong. I remember, yeah, I remember pegging them off of several returns. I, I think I pegged Kata Lestrobotnik like five times off of a return, which is which is not easy to do, to do off a ground stroke. And I think I hit Greta a couple of times and she has quicker hands. So that was also impressive. Um, yeah, so we'd really just just let loose. Um, and, you know, it wouldn't have been possible again if the circumstances weren't right of us being, you know, really relaxed and uh, working together and having fun. And then in the semis, we played against uh, Bethany and Liesl Huber, who we had lost Incredible two players. weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah, we had lost to them two weeks prior, four and one, very easily, you know, just they were better players than us. But we really improved every match that we played. Um, and we were different. We were a different team at that point. Um, and we, again, went out there like, you know, we're not going to give them anything. We're not we're going to go out there guns a blazing shots firing. And um, I think we beat them two and two. So, you know, definitely confidence helped and like knowing each other helped. And then, and then, then we get to the finals and we played against Vesnina, uh, Vesnina and Zvonareva. Um, and and Zvon they had actually beaten the Williams sisters. So um, I think in a tough what a match. <laughs> I mean, sort of, sort of, but again, you know, didn't expect to win each match. We went into each match thinking, oh, you know, it was a kind of a mountain to climb for each match. Sure. Every match got tougher. Um, and it just happened that Vera was in the singles finals against Serena earlier that, and they played her twice that day, which was unfortunate for her because, you know, the, it was her first time being in the finals of either event. And, um, you know, just the the stress of it, uh, the physicality of it, you know, the the emotions of being in that kind of event and having to play two matches that day. It obviously benefited us because we were playing her and then she ended up losing the finals of singles. Very emotional, of course, about it. And I didn't actually notice this, but in our doubles match after we won the first set, um, Vera was crying in the like in in the match after the first set at the changeover i didn't see it slava saw it didn't tell me because she didn't want to affect me which is good it was smart uh, but you know of course it was just incredibly emotional for her being out there again after you know a huge moment and um 
So, you know, things kind of fell into place for us. I think that unless you're a player that completely dominates, you know, like Rafa and Clay or Roger for a long time or Djokovic for a long time, um, the players that, you know, kind of really have to work for it. For a slam, you have to be a little bit lucky. You know, the stars have to fall into place. And um, and because you these opportunities, one may not come, you know, for example, you might get hurt or you play somebody that's playing out of their mind, has a great kind of matchup against you. And, and so I do think you have to, unless you're completely dominating, such as, you know, Serena has had for many years, um, we needed a little bit of luck and we did get that bit of luck. And then of course you get that luck and then you have to perform and you have to take that opportunity, which is not easy. So um, yeah, I mean, I did serve for the match, but I was in my head. I'm like, we have to get up two breaks because Slava was the one with the big serve. So if I lose my serve, we still have her serve. I was so stressed out. Like we have to get up two breaks. That was my plan. You know, if we get up two breaks, we're good. We're good. You had an out. Yeah. I mean, it gives me less pressure to serve as well. You know, so it also helps me perform a bit better. And then I know that there's a backup that Slava's there and I can help her out at the net as well. So Yeah. um, yeah, I mean, we really were going moment by moment um, without expectation, obviously that we're going to get that far. And then after it happened, um, I just, I mean, I look back at the footage and I screamed for, I think 10 minutes straight, like, you know, it, it, it didn't sink in, I think for actually a few weeks that we won Wimbledon. Um, yeah. I mean, is your brain, this is the moment that is so interesting to me because you won. And in that moment, is your brain just like so flooded with emotion, you just can't even understand it? Because I will never win Wimbledon. So (laughs) you got to tell me. You know, when you get, um, your emotions get too high and then you can't process things clearly. I think that's what it was, in a good way, at least, you know, there's, Sometimes you're so stressed and you can't process things clearly, but sometimes things are so exciting that it's hard to process things. I mean, I could not speak. All I could say is, oh my God, everyone Wimbledon. Oh my God, everyone Wimbledon. You know, I just kept repeating it like a a robot, you know, so. Exactly um, what I would do. Yes, exactly. So, yeah. And then I I think that all of that, looking back, honestly, was kind of a blur because Mm. the emotions were so high, couldn't really sit down and process it. I, I do remember celebrating with friends. My family actually, some of my family flew out from LA. Um, my dad um, flew literally for just that match and then he flew home. My brother came out. Um, my, I think my mom was there, or maybe my mom wasn't there. My dad and my brother were there. Um, so, you know, I remember a little bit of the aftermath or the after party. And, uh, you know, the excitement of that. But then again, I had a match, I had a tournament the next week. Yeah. So I had to, you know, I I had a limited amount of time that I could celebrate. I mean, looking back now, I was young, I was 21. So the later I got in my career, the more I would really kind of take the time to appreciate the good and bad and and really let it sink in and just appreciate all the experiences that I had. But in that moment, I was still like, okay, no, I've got a tournament next week. I was playing singles. I got to prep, you know, physically, got to get back to fitness because I was sick. So um, because I was sick and I was trying to optimize performance, you know, while we were playing our doubles, I didn't 
I didn't really train much, so I needed to get back to training. And so I didn't really have an opportunity. And same with US Open. Um, I remember we played over two days. We won on Monday. I flew back Monday afternoon, actually almost missed my flight from, I think I flew out of Newark. I had 20 minutes to my flight and I arrived to the airport wow. 20 minutes my flight which is crazy never has happened before but i was able to get on my flight and check a bag lady i don't know she just i don't know it's called energy or something and then i remember um that night the night of winning us open i was eating ramen in my apartment nice instant noodles and uh packing for asia nice. i had to fly out on tuesday to asia so um yeah i mean now I, I looking back because the only thing i would wish is you know if i could take a little bit more time sure to enjoy soak the it moment. in yeah yeah because can, can i just so take you back to that back. moment again you're, you're in the after party and uh, i'm so interested in understanding uh what your dad said to you i mean your dad is your coach he was your coach your whole life you finally won wimbledon and you know i don't know for me being Asian American, there's always that pressure from the parents and all that stuff. So if you don't mind me asking, like, what, what did he say to you? What was that moment yeah. like to actually achieve the thing that you both were dreaming of all of your life? Yeah. So, well, actually I was, I worked with my dad until I was 17 Yeah. and then we split up. Um, it was, it was too hard for me actually. Yeah. So Which is I true for so many players. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I struggled actually, well, 17 to 18, I worked with a coach named Ray Ruffles, who was incredibly impactful. I mean, my dad obviously was incredibly impactful yeah. in my, my life and my career. Um, but I think that one thing that, so, you know, he, he, he laid the path for me and he forged that discipline and, um, the basis of my game. Um, but as you said, you know, there are some Asian parents out there that are very tough. You know, they have a lot of expectation. They put a lot of pressure on succeeding and winning. And that's, my dad did do that. So um, from the mental side, I think it did not, it helped me as a kid because they put a lot of pressure on me. And I think as a kid, as a junior, consistency is really, you can be very successful if you're consistent. You just put the ball in the court and you run and you fight hard. And it's, and it's, quite often enough as a junior, especially because there's varying ranges of levels, but as a pro, it's not enough anymore. And, you know, you have to be able to be confident enough in the moment, relaxed enough in the moment, um, be balanced enough. And I think that that's where I struggled. I mean, to this day, you know, when I got to the big moments, especially um, in singles, you know, feeling a lot of pressure. And that's why and one of the reasons why I succeeded more in doubles because I had someone else there. It was more fun. Right, and team anyway, so, um, yeah, I had, I worked with Ray for, um, a year, but I had actually worked with him kind of took, take, took lessons from him as a kid. And, um, he really laid the foundation of my all court game. My dad was really, uh, his plan was just hit the ball as hard as you can. And plan B was, <laughs> the ball as hard as you can and come to the net you yeah. know and ray was the one who really understood the game i mean he himself i think was top 20 um you know i think made a couple finals or won a few slants um in doubles and he coached the woodies and so he really laid the foundation of that my all-court game and also um 
which really helped my doubles game. He set me up, like he really pushed me to play with great players. He set me up with Renee Stubbs, who was, um, even though we only played a couple of times, really instrumental in helping me see what, what is the top like? You know, I was good in doubles, but I wasn't great in doubles, you know, and she taught me what it's like to be at the top and what do you need to do and the discipline and the thought process behind that. So Ray, um, incredibly integral into my career. And then after I left Ray, um, after we split up, I, after about a year, I ended up reconnecting with a coach that I took lessons from. My dad took me to a lot of different coaches when I was right, younger, a lot right. of different coaches. I'm very appreciative of him. Uh, for doing that, for recognizing that, hey, you know, there's a lot of knowledge out there and let's go and try to hear a lot of different perspectives and see what fits us. Um, so Tariq Benhaviles, since 19, was my main coach. And um, I love him as a person, as a coach. I mean, he was instrumental in my career and my life. Um, he, I think it was incredibly important that he was a great coach and I believed in him a hundred percent, especially I struggled a bit with confidence when I was younger. So um, I didn't believe like really fully in myself and my abilities, especially, you know, my dad was telling people, oh, she's going to be number one in the world, number one in the world. And for me, I was like, what does that mean? I mean, number one in the world was so, yeah, it was, it was impossible. so far away. Yeah. It's just yeah. impossible to kind of understand what that exactly means. And so um, I was really lucky to have, I mean, and he did fully believe in me. So I was really lucky to have coaches that fully believed in me, but Ray kind of at 19, I was still young, you know, developing the person that I am and also being quite sheltered from my family, didn't really have the experience living by myself. And so um, he, you know, kept me in line in terms of the tennis part. Like you have to, you got to put the work in and you got to be professional, but outside of that, go and have fun and live your life and, and be who you are. So, um, yeah, anyways, so I know that was a long caveat, <laughs> which was my dad, but I did want to explain that because I did stop working with my dad at 17 and I, right. and, and he was incredibly instrumental. I wouldn't be where I am without him, sure. but I also did have other coaches, um, that, were very impactful to me. So to be honest, I don't really remember what my dad said. I think we were just so happy, like so overjoyed. I think he had to fly out that night. So I think he got, you know, maybe a quick second to see me after because then I got swept away to media and, um, you know, had to shower and change and like get like, you know, just call it and then see the physios and, you know, um, make sure that I did all the things that I needed to do, get food in and, um, but I'm sure he, I'm positive that he gave me a huge hug and was just like, this is how amazing this was. And I, I think for both of us, I'm sure that we didn't, it didn't sink in that, okay, here's, this is the epitome of the dream, you know, mm. um, that this is where we wanted to be. Or I think, cause yeah, we were just in the moment. We were just playing like point by point, watching the match even. So it's hard to kind of then say, okay, uh, at least for me, you know, kind of reminisce to childhood hey this is what we've been working for because I was in in the moment so much yeah yeah well that's a beautiful story thank you so much and I I just have that hallmark moment in my head of just thinking like what it would be like to 
get that affirmation from your parents after a cheat because you work so hard. I mean, you hustled in Long oh, Beach I all see. your life and, and, you know, you, you went to all those coaches, you played all those tournaments and really you made it. I mean, congratulations on you. I mean, <laughs> if you haven't said it to yourself yet, uh, let me tell you again today, oh, you made okay. it. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really lovely to get that affirmation from my parents. And I think that, um, Honestly, I think that I finally got the acceptance or somewhat, you know, as much as the older generation of Asian parents right. can be accepted. <laughs> you know, um, I think honestly, it's only happened in the past couple of years, even back then, you know, the parents did have a lot of opinions. And, um, but one thing I, I learned when I did split up with my dad and then I, it did cause, you know, some rifts with my mom. And then actually about six years ago, I was hurt. I had a herniated disc in my back that wasn't getting right. better. And I also was burned out in tennis. And so I stopped playing for a year and my mom was really unhappy about that. Um, so we had a rift as well. And so I think that the experience with my dad taught me that like, um, I love my parents to death. I love my family. I'll do anything for them. But at the same time, you know, I needed to live my own life and I needed to be happy. So um, I ended up getting that acceptance from them and the affirmation, but um, I think that I got it kind of after I recognized that, look, I don't need, I don't need that for me to be a whole person. Uh, but of course it's lovely to have that. That's great. And I remember uh, listening to an interview talking about moving to Florida and that separation from your parents and just kind of becoming your own person uh, and in that interview, you said that uh, your relationship with your father got better uh, when you moved away. And there was that kind of freedom for you with your new coaches and stuff. And that just sounded like a, a beautiful thing that just needed to happen, right? That you were so sheltered and you moved away and yeah. got to explore yourself as a person rather than just be a daughter. Yeah, I, I think it definitely helped both parties. It definitely helped me because I needed to, I needed to be my own person. I needed to figure out what I wanted with my life, who I wanted to be. And being at home, one, you know, I think that my parents, if I stayed at home, then it was just natural for them to keep holding on, you know, so there needed to be that break. Although they were not happy about it, but there needed to be that break. Um, they did, they did recognize Tariq, my dad especially knows how great of a coach Tariq is. So they weren't too upset that I was going to see him, but they were upset that, you know, of the kind of the life change that I was going to try to forge my own path, which was not okay at the time. You know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Like Bonnie needs to be obedient. Uh, you right. Know, right. Asian daughters need to be obedient, um, which I struggled with. So I was a little bit of the black sheep in that regard. Um, but yeah, it definitely, I mean, after time it helped. Uh, it gave me space to, figure out whether what kind of relationship I wanted with my parents you know when you're 24 7 together with any type of relationship when you're 24 7 together you know it's hard to detach yourself and and um, think clearly kind of see it from you know that cloud view um, a high level view and so yeah I, I was able to kind of figure out okay I, I do want a relationship with my father um, it's not going to be the relationship that I wanted as a, as a kid, because that's over, but, um, you know, that having a relationship was very important to me. 
That's so great. Yeah. I, I just got to think that that's such a tough relationship to be in, to be a parent and a coach at the same time. And then to have your daughter and the person that you're training, you know, it's so, so mixed and so many emotions and lots of changes. And you had mentioned that you got a little bit lucky with that. Anyone has to be a little bit lucky to have won uh, Wimbledon, but you went on to win the U S open as well. And so I got to think that that's just a little more than luck that you guys did so well. <laughs> well luck, luck. <laughs> I mean, obviously you have to play well, but I, I think that and you sure did to win it, to, to go all the way through and to, yeah, because it's, it's, um, I think six matches and six matches and doubles. It's quite a lot of matches, you know, the pressure, um, anything can happen, you know? So, and even at us open, I remember we were playing in the third round, um, and we were playing streets of, uh, Benisova who was very tough team. And we were down as we, we, I think we were down a set and, no, sorry. In the first set, we won the first set, but we were down five set points and we ended up winning that set seven, six, lost the second easily six, two third set. We were down five set point, five match points. So they could have won. It was like five, if they won the first set or <laughs> five match points. And I remember one time, you know, um, Iveta Benisova served like a great kick serve out wide to my forehand and I was trying to go cross court but it was so good that I was late and I went down the line and kind of mishit it like a mishit lob down the line (laughs) and Barbara was crossing or it could have been vice versa actually because Barbara is right-handed and um, so anyways uh, it must have been Iveta that was crossing you know if I had aimed hit where I actually aimed she would have totally poached in one one match but because yeah. i was so lucky that she hit such a good serve that i was late and then i passed her down the line we ended up coming back and winning and i mean i unfortunately good thing for Vara is that she ended up you know obviously playing with sue and then doing really well with her um because she was incredibly talented she is incredibly talented and Yvette the same unfortunately Yvette never ended up you know winning any i don't think she won any slams um but yeah i mean Yeah, we did have to be lucky. Um, And in the in the finals, actually, we were down match point, either one or two matches. You're down one match point. Yeah. Yeah. But you said you were lucky, but uh, you hit a screamer down the line uh, as as the other person was uh, crossing, trying to poach. I mean, that was not an accident. That was a thing of beauty. (laughs) You read it so well. Yeah, but also, you know, I was lucky that, I mean, I, I took the opportunity, but it could have failed, you know, right. it could have gone sure. and missed it, sure. you know, sure. so I was a bit lucky that everything worked out. Yeah. Um, and actually, that down the line was important because that year I got to the finals of French Open in mixed with my partner, Marcelo Mello, and we were playing against Liesl, who we played against at US Open. At the final, yeah. And Bob Ryan. And we were up a set and Liesl was serving four or five. So it was on serve, but Liesl's serving. So the, the girl is serving a little bit weaker. Love 30. We're two points away from winning French Open mixed. And I go to Marcelo and, you know, we get together and I say, okay. Because, I mean, I was, again, when I'm on, my return is great. Stunning. You know, yeah. and, um, and I was on, like, again, as I said, you know, I might miss it. But anyways, so I said, okay, I think I'm going to go down the line. And I love going down the line anyways. I, I love going down the line. So I said, I'm going to go down the line. I think he's going to cross. And Marcelo goes, no, 
let's just play it safe. Let's go cross court. We hit four perfect cross court shots. He poached four times. We ended up losing in the super tie break oh, oh in the finals. So because of that, I was so devastated that I didn't stick with my instinct mm. and like to, to, you know, to commit to that down the line shot um, under pressure. And actually in that moment, I went down the line because of that French open. So it was actually wow. in a way a learning, a good learning experience that I That's that great. We, lost a mixed to win at doubles, which is probably better. (laughs) Well, that and also your hustle in the tiebreak. I mean, you played so well during that tiebreak and scrambled and even on the very last point, what an amazing play. (laughs) you were so quick i mean it was uh you know basically at the baseline and you had to run scramble back up to the net on that match point it was an amazing point yeah a lot of i think a lot of desperation and and fueling my legs to move faster to get that (laughs) well just chutzpah and spunk too you know i mean you just you had that fight yeah, I mean, in the moment, I, I I sort of remember that moment being kind of slow motion, because mm, wow. I remember, and I and I look back at that footage, and I'm like, wow, I was running super fast, but in my head, everything was going so slow motion. I think it was more of like, I was hitting a ball, and I was just like, please miss, please miss, please miss. <laughs> so, you know, I was not even thinking about how fast I was going. I was just like trying to win the point, like hoping right. we were going to sure. win the point so bad sure. and then I remember Slava hit the lob to finish and it was in my head it went for like five minutes you know slowly as Nadia's reaching for it because Nadia's <laughs> a tall girl she you know, is yeah so she reaches up and then um in my head again I'm like don't touch it don't touch it don't touch it because it's tough if she touches it she's got a strong overhead so right. anyway so then it finally went over um and I remember Liesl going go like trying to urge not yeah, to go, but get it yeah it. so yeah slow motion it was a very slow motion yeah and um, Shvedova, wow she hit so that. many great lobs during that match i mean she is so good at that my gosh she's incredibly talented yeah yeah so cool all right we will end part one of the session here and pick it up on the next episode One of the great initiatives the USTA Diversity and Inclusion Committee has come up with is to start a junior tennis scholarship fund for one Asian American up-and-coming player. We have partnered with tennis legend Rosie Casals and her nonprofit foundation, Love & Love Tennis Foundation, which is an official charity of the WTA. If you would like to contribute to the fund, please make a tax-deductible donation on their Facebook page. Just search Love & Love Tennis Foundation, Inc. on Facebook and you'll find the donation link on their page. Using the Facebook donation link allows the charity to receive 100% of your donation without any administrative fees, so we hope you'll join us that way. You can also search the hashtag AAATennis, which stands for Asian American Awareness Tennis, on social media and discover some of the great Asian American-focused content that is being put out there this month. And finally, take a peek at the new webpage that Mike Moore and I have developed, which we hope will be a complete guide to Asian American tennis players. Visit lovesetmatch.net and click on the Players and Tennis Resources tab to find the page. Many thanks to Tennis Pal for sponsoring this two-part interview with Vanya King. 
They have the best tennis app to find players to connect with in your area. You can read news about the latest pro tennis tournaments and find a coach. Visit TennisPal.com for more information. Hey, thanks for listening, everyone, and may all your serves be aces.